Welcome back to the February episode of the Linton Town Supports Trust podcast. Uh, this is part two of the podcast. If you haven't yet listened to part one, uh, you'll have not listened to us talk about the transfer window, the exit from the FA Cup, the recent good league form, and wax lyrical over Elijah Adebayo and particularly Pearly Rudder Campanzu. Do listen to that if you haven't already. Um, but in this part two of the podcast, we're going to go back and then we're going to look to the future as well. We'll start by um, addressing that 1982-83 season in our Blast from the Past segment. And then we will look at the academy, very much the future of the club, the expectations for the remainder of the season in light of some interesting comments from Rob Edwards on Saturday. And we'll look ahead to the next month of the season uh, before we finish with this part of the podcast. But this is the part where we kind of get Tony's thoughts on that magical sort of great escape, the greatest escape really, in 1982-83. Tony, we've gone through the goalkeeper, we've mm. done the defenders, we've done the midfielders, and now we're on to the attackers. We'll do both attackers this month um, because there are a few other members of the squad that we need to talk about between now and uh, the end of the season. So the two strikers on that day at Main Road uh, in May 1983, Trevor Alot and Brian Steen, you're not going to have to talk a huge amount about Brian Steen because if you're a Luton fan and you don't know about Brian Steen, well, uh, ask your mums and dads. You really should know about that about him. Maybe not so many know too much about Trevor A. Lot. He was kind of the pre-Mick Harford, Mick Harford. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Um, a. Lot was a surprise when um, David Pleat signed him. Um, if I remember rightly, uh, he played for Chelsea. Trevor Aylott, and uh, we needed a replacement for Brian Steen because uh, uh, Steen had uh, injured his foot in uh, the home game against Manchester City. Uh, if I, I, I'm trying to remember, I think Steen scored two goals in that game. I can't remember, but he got injured and he was out for the rest of the season. And the sort of form Brian Steen was in, he, he, he was on course to get 30 goals so it made a massive dent in our in our um, season and um, when Pleat brought in Trevor Aylott it, it gave us a new option because we'd been playing with two small guys up front Brian Steen and Paul Walsh um, who were a, a, a fantastic front two because you kept one quiet, the other was causing problems and vice versa. And it's very hard for big defenders to mark two small strikers. But Alok gave us a different dimension, which uh, Pleaty obviously felt we needed. Um, his hold-up play was good. Um, he knew where the goal was and he was good in the air. And uh, he and uh, Paul Walsh formed... Um, a reasonable partnership for us but on that day at Main Road um, David Plate took a gamble and played Brian Steen from the off he had a, he, he still hadn't completely recovered from his foot injury so he had pain-killing injections to enable him to play and the gamble paid off because we had Brian Steen and Trevor Ayler and Paul Walsh and uh Aylock was was definitely in the Mick Harford mould of getting stuck in and being a bit of a hard man and giving us a, a, a presence up front, which is what we need. And he, and he scored one or two vital goals for us. So um, it was a useful acquisition for us. And uh, 
he, he certainly played his part in, in, in keeping us up that season. And along with Brian Steen um, in that game, uh, Steen went in and uh, played his heart out in that game and gave us the best that he could. So, um, yeah, as, as, a, as a striker, he, he was he was good for us, Trevor Aylott. I guess you would say in the modern world for the sort of youngsters that listen, he was kind of the Harry Kane at Tottenham that would kind of drop deep and allow the faster players to sort of go in behind and sort of do their thing. But at the same time, if a cross came in, he'd get on the end of it sort of thing, wouldn't he? Yeah, that's correct. He always, um, I'll tell you who reminded me of Trevor Eilert, was uh, Cascarino, similar sort of player. Um, yes, he, he definitely was the goal threat and uh, his link-up play was good. And of course, the, he, he was involved in winning the ball for the winning goal at Main Road as well. We got He got involved, muscled out, won the ball and uh, played Brian Stingen. So, yeah, he, he gave us that added dimension that we needed. I should say, we haven't forgotten about Paul Walsh. We will cover him in the next section, uh, in the next podcast when we do this section. But obviously, we can put Brian Steen in alongside Trevor Aylock because, as I said, he doesn't need no introduction to Luton fans. But what a servant he was to the football club, not just in 1982-83, but also, of course, those two magical goals at Wembley in 1988 and so many more goals besides that. I mean, best finisher you've seen in a Luton Town shirt? Yes, yes, I would, I would say that. Um, he, he passed it in, didn't he? Yeah. He was, when, no when he first in came into the club, he he came from um, Edgware, I believe, nineteen seventy eight. David Pleat signed him, and uh, as, as a young raw recruit, and um, he learnt a lot from Bob Hatton. And of course, when he when he first broke into the side, he looked like he couldn't hit a barn door. He, he really was, but he learned, and then he became such a prolific goal scorer for us. Um, and I, I know Mick Arthur has always rated him as the best uh, striking partner he, he's he's ever played with, uh, which is right. The, the only thing I felt with Steeny was that if he'd had a yard or two more pace, he would have been a permanent England international. He was that good, you know. He he his ball control. He he could he could. Score with either foot. He was good in the air as well for a little guy as well. Brian Steen was very good in the air. And, um, you know, you normally knew that when, when the ball was played through to him and he, and he had to keep it to be, it was going to be a goal. It was going to be a goal. And he, you know, he started off at, at uh, Division 2, what was now championship level. He beca- became a prolific goal scorer. The, the season we, we won the division in 81-82, so the previous season, he was our top goal scorer. And consistently, he would score over 20 goals for us. Um, magic, magic player. And it was a sad day when he when he left us. I know he came back for a season in 91-92, but it, it was a sad day when he left us. And you see him. He, he, he was there on Saturday at, at the game. And... Uh, you know, he still lives in the area and he's still, high, you know, highly regarded by Luton fans. And he, he's got a lot of time for the supporters. A nice guy, um, but a, 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 a true Luton legend. And and there is, um, I, I, I'm stealing my cousin's thunder here, but there's a story related to Brian Steen because his father was a friend of uh, Nelson Mandela's as I came out from South Africa and my cousin went on holiday 
to South Africa and went to Robben Island. And he was wearing a Luton shirt and the guard, the, the tour guide was an ex-prisoner and uh, spotted his Luton shirt and said, oh, Luton Town. He said, yeah. And he said, oh, he said, I'll tell you, he said, 1988, Brian Steen scoring in the Littlewoods Cup final. He said, yeah. And he said, uh, he said, a guard brought a transistor radio, he said, and in the cell, the guard, myself and Nelson were listening to the Littlewoods Cup final. And he said, uh, Nelson liked the Hatters because of the Steen brothers, because of uh, their father. So there you go. Nelson Mandela's a hatter. Fantastic story. Uh, obviously, you know, two goals in that Little Cup final, the greatest day in our history. Two brilliant goals, first goal and the third goal. And also, actually, doesn't really get a lot of credit, but wonderful assistant manager alongside Mike Newell in the season that we won League One as well. Yeah. He doesn't get... He's not remembered for that, though, is he? He's remembered as our, as our goal scorer. And... Um, you know, you, you often wonder why bigger clubs didn't come in for him. Well, maybe they did, but he, he turned them down or David Pleat turned them down. You'd, you'd have thought when Pleat went to Tottenham, he'd have tried to take Brian Steen with him. But again, he got Clive Allen then, didn't he? Very true. Yeah. Yeah. No, wonderful. Two wonderful servants on mm. uh, that particular afternoon. And obviously Brian Steen his name in Luton Folklore at Wembley in 1988. If you haven't seen uh, Brian Steen or you don't know too much about him, Hatter's Heritage is your place of call. They've got plenty of videos and plenty of accounts and history and everything else on the season that we're covering this season <sighs> in our blast from the past and many other seasons have uh, gone by as well. So uh, if you want to find out more about Brian Steen, Trevor Aylott and every player that was covered uh, in our blast from the past this season, uh, give Hatter's Heritage a little Google and um, many, many, many things on there. Okay, gents, let's bring it back to uh, the modern day. And James, I'll come to you to start with. Um, we did a piece on the academy last month uh, where after they'd just beaten, uh, just beaten QPR in the FA Cup. Unfortunately, they couldn't then repeat that heroics, the under-18s, on um, Monday night when they went down 3-2 to Preston. Absolute worldy of a winner. Hopefully that bloke don't make his way to the first team in the next week because we don't want him doing that next Wednesday. But um, things are still looking good for the academy. They've already won their league. But the big news is the retirement of Paul Hart uh, last week. And uh, Paul Benson has taken over the academy. Uh, We really should acknowledge just what a massive contribution Paul Hart's played uh, in the development of this academy over the 18 months that he served it? Yeah, just just the club in general, really. Obviously, he's been assistant manager under Nathan Jones uh, in the two spells and then moved over to the academy side in April, which, you know, despite, you know, he's managed some big clubs in his time, but I think he's mostly synonymous with his work in uh, youth football and developing uh, developing players, you know, not least the lead side of the early of the nineties, where they won the FA Youth Cup twice, and then brought through players that all got that club to the Champions League semi final in two thousand and one. So, um, you know, had some success at, at, at Forest as well. Um, but it's, I don't think it's any surprise to see Luton's youth teams thriving. Um, after after Paul Hart came in and has obviously laid some very good foundations and some solid building blocks. Um, you know, I, I was at the game on Tuesday uh, 
Well, really, only uh, Luton, yeah, Luton were beaten by a great strike, but they were sort of undone by a, a, a goalkeeping error. And, and you know, these things can happen in youth football. But um, there was there were some promising performances there, um, not least from um, Jaden Luca, who looked. Um, you know, they're all under eighteen, so you can you can tell a lot of them are of that age. But he looked more like a fella, a bloke, a, a man, that, and that's probably why he's been training with the first team and, and has got on the bench a couple of times. And um, uh, Jake Berger looked uh, a, a good player, um, always wanting the ball and dropping deep and trying to pick out players. So there's a lot to be positive about, and obviously they've won the they've won the under 18s league as well, um, seemingly at a canter and celebrated with a 7-0 win over Southend uh, the other day. Um, so, yeah, it's it's looking good. I I, I think what... Uh, the, the key thing now, I suppose, is just to find the right person to take on um, the mantle of what's been done there. I think, al- although that probably seems like a challenge, they've got a good head start in the fact that they've recruited some really good coaches that understand Luton Town and what it is to play for Luton Town and quite recently so so they can impart that onto the young players um, obviously that 18 side that's been doing so well are under the stewardship of um, Adam McCormack and, and uh, Alex Lawless but then even the, the development squad uh, with Adrian Forbes there um, and obviously Paul Benson moving up to be the interim director uh, at the moment. So there's still that continuity um, through the club. Um, you know, we all know what's needed, the the next steps, but um, until those uh, situ- those situations can be resolved where Luton can um, go up to Category 2 uh, Academy, they've just got to keep doing the right things that they're doing so far. And... Um, uh, and and getting players that can go into Luton's first team or first squad and train with them, you know, even though the, the result last night against Grimsbury was pretty disappointing, there were still two players from uh, the academy on the bench, and and that's heartening to see because it's not tokenism; they're not going to be there just for the sake of it. Um, they've they've done enough to to prove they should be, and that's that's the starting point, isn't it? Of of how you develop that conveyor belt and bring players through so that, uh, you know, in two, three, four, five, six and beyond seasons, you're going to have, uh, you know, hopefully one or two homegrown players that we all know how much fans love that and what, uh, and they can sing about. So yeah, it's looking really positive. Um, and obviously Paul Hart, Paul Hart deserves, uh, deserves his, his retirement and I hope he uh, enjoys himself. But um Yes, it, it, I think there's there's obviously a plan with most things that Luton do, and I, I've no doubt that they'll find the right person to come in and take over the mantle. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Tony, the players themselves, they looked disappointed on um, Monday night, as you would do when you bowed out of um, the cup. But at that stage, obviously, they were, like the first team, they were looking at a quarter-final spot, where ironically, Southampton would have waited for them as well. Um, but they've nothing to be um, too down about. They're, they're, you know, they're an enjoyable bunch to watch. They've made us proud with the FA Cup run that they've been on. They beat two Academy two sides in the previous two rounds. Uh, the Birmingham one, they absolutely thrashed them. Uh, maybe we could get some tips off of them for the first team game at the end of this month. Mm. 
but really and truly everything's just so good looking so good in that academy right now and uh, I'm sure Paul Benson's the right man just just in the in the sort of um period of in of uncertainty to to keep on the good work he's uh done a great job there you know obviously this uh current crop of youngsters we've got coming through are exceptional um they're, they're the best crop since the uh, jj and the sonder days and uh though they can hold their heads up proud uh, they did the club and themselves proud they were unlucky to lose against preston i think um all i can say about that is i think uh, preston teach their youngsters uh, the dark arts at an early age i think um but no they 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 far exceeded what would be normal expectations for them as you said kevin beating two academy two uh, level two sides and then going out to a level two sides very narrowly i thought so no, it's great. I think I think the youth of the club were in good hands. It's been set up well, and um, you know, with with plenty of back in there, and of course the the fundraising through uh, through solid under the, yeah. the trusts uh, auspices. So um, I think the future looks good. Yeah, it really does. And we should also say that in that game, they were missing uh, <laughs> potentially star striker Zach Nelson, who I think was injured uh, because he wasn't involved mm. in either game on Tuesday night either. So that was unfortunate. Yeah, obviously with him in the side, uh, they'll have had a little extra firepower. The good thing for that academy, Dan, is as James alluded to, uh, Rob Edwards is actually genuinely showing them a pathway, whether it's by by being on the bench in the FA Cup, whether it's by going to doorway games, being involved in the warm-up, learning what it's all about or everything. I mean, there was this kind of tokenism that Nathan Jones offered a pathway from the academy to the first team. But, not really. It's only in the trophy that that happened, and he kind of he was forced into playing James Justin when Dan Potts got injured. There was a slight yeah. to um, all of that. It's very different this time, though. Rob Edwards was at the game um, in the previous round against QPR. Mm. Obviously, not at the game on Monday night because the first team were already preparing for the um, Grimsby game, but was watching from a hotel. He watches these games. He he has these players. Uh, there were players for the Wigan Cup game that we were training with the um, team in the warm-up. Goalkeeper's done it, uh, as James alluded to. Jaden Luke has done it. Uh, and various other ones um, since. There is a genuine pathway, or, you, or at least you feel there is a genuine pathway this time for this academy side. Not a, not a, oh, there is a pathway, but I'm not going to show you it pathway like in before. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think from Edward's point of view, I think it was very important to get that in first because... Nathan, for all, for all the good he did, if, if I could criticise him for one thing, it, that would be it as well. Um, because he was always saying, I remember when we had the likes of Backinson, Justin, uh, a couple of other lads, um, after, after we beat West Brom in a trophy game, and he said, I can't keep holding these lads back anymore. And I thought, well, we're stuck in league too. Why are you holding them back? You know, why not give them at least a bit of experience? And, I think this will do th- these lads an absolute world of good. Like you say, since he's come in, we've seen Casey Patine make the bench, Zach Nelson, uh, Connor Lawless has been in and around it as well, Jaden Luke is another one. Um, you had the two lads last night that were on the bench uh, that have just come in, uh, Joe Johnson being one of them and the lad they brought in from Spurs. Um, <clears throat> so already, I mean, yeah, okay, they haven't come on yet, but, you know, it, 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 
it's a massive step. Make no mistake about it. It's a massive step coming from under 18s football or development football straight into a championship game. But I think just the experience of being in and around it, as you say, is that is invaluable. You cannot buy the experience at that age. And the only way you're going to get experience is by being involved in it um, day in, day out in training and being out on the pitch before a game and being on the bench and actually being a part of the whole the whole um, dynamic of a, of a game from start to finish in the preparation and then afterwards, you know, it, it's it's invaluable to see what being a professional football footballer is all about and it'll do them no, no harm at all. No harm at all. And if, hey, look, if they've trained well and, you know, they've earned their chance, who's to say they can't give five minutes here and there, you know, just get them on there and they'll, they'll learn more in that five minutes than they will in three years of playing development football. Make no mistake about that. Yep. They're going to get better players by just by being involved in the warm-up, understanding yeah. the situation, experiencing yeah. the um, circumstances. I think Joe Johnson posted on his uh, Instagram today that he really enjoyed the experience and that is mm. what it's all about. Ironic that someone called Joe Johnson was in our team when we needed snookers from an early stage, but you know there is, <laughs> there it is. That's what uh, that's what happens. Also, we should actually uh, mention that whilst the first team were um, getting their asses handed to them at Grimsby, the development team went to Biggleswade in the Bed Senior Cup. They won four one. Hat trick from Casey Petty, which is no mean feat considering he's a centre back, including a penalty. Uh, Josh Allen got the fourth one and will wish the very best to Biggles Wade's goalkeeper, who I understand broke his leg, hence why that game was um, abandoned early on in the second half. So we wish him a speedy recovery. No one likes to see things like that, uh, least of all from goalkeepers. So um, best wishes to him. Well done to the development team and Adrian Forbes for leading them through to the semi-finals. And that's another team to follow between now and the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, James... It was an interesting press conference you was a part of on um, Saturday, wasn't it? Dare to dream. We're not underdogs, said Rob Edwards. Um, we should be dreaming, shouldn't we? And we're not underdogs. It's not a fluke anymore, is it? I think that's what this is showing, that um, Luton deserved to be there. I should um, hasten to add, it wasn't you that was shut down with those comments. It was Gareth and the son. But yeah. they, were very, they were very good. It was a very good reaction, nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't being critical in his question. Actually, I have to stick up for Gareth. He's just pointing out that um, you know that Luton are in that top six now, and they're the only team in there that haven't played in the Premier League, and everybody's got a bigger budget and a bigger stadium, which is true. But um, that's you know, um, Rob Edwards's response is essentially that those things clearly. I mean, these weren't the words he said, but this is the subtext. But those things clearly don't matter. Luton are there on merit. They're fourth in the league with a game in hand and a, a chance to go third. They, they're well in a good place to cement themselves in a playoff spot. And we hope they all do, obviously. But, um, you know, it's no, it's no surprise now, really. Um, Luton are... You know, people don't want to play Luton, I don't think. They're, they're a tricky team to play um, they're resolute and for all the just to go back to a point we had in the first part of the podcast for all the concern about defenders they don't concede many in the division it's like fourth fourth best um, defensive record um, they've got two wonderful strikers um, and a growing a midfield that's growing in influence um, and that 
all cost virtually nothing. Uh, so, um, yeah, why, why not? I, I don't, he wasn't being arrogant or bullshit at all. It's just a statement of fact. I think it's now time to, to say that Luton deserve to be there. They're, they're, they're not the underdog on the pitch. All the other metrics, maybe so, and that's just a fact. But um, you know, be be proud of that and, and celebrate that that fact because um, you know these these sorts of successes. Uh, I was going to say they don't come around very often. So the last six years, they they have been. But um, uh, you know, it's 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 with this view for the long term goal, isn't it? And, and everything is progressing towards that I mean even I thought beginning of the season they might struggle to improve on last seasons but at the minute as we stand and fingers crossed and all that other superstitious bollocks hopefully I'm proved uh, deliciously wrong yeah uh, well, I hope you are too it wouldn't be the first time on this podcast and uh, I guess it won't be, won't be the last time either but Tony I think what it is it's a reflection of Rob Edwards as a person, isn't it? He's a very positive person. He's a very um, confident person. And he's a very take-things-in-his-stride person. And it, it, it doesn't worry. He's, he doesn't have a fear of failure. He understands that mistakes are going to happen. He understands that bad things will happen. But at the same time, good things will happen too. And and he's someone who very much looks forward for the good things. And he'll take the bad things and navigate them when they happen. Yeah, he uh, he's a good fit for us, really, because um, he understands where we come from and where where we've been and and our dreams and where we want to go, and uh, he he's bought into that, and he seems to have uh, taken it up a notch as well in terms of uh, we're playing better football now. And you can see the, the players like him. They, they're really happy with the guy. And uh, I, I think his comments were, were totally understandable because this is our second season in the championship where we are challenging. And we're not just on the coattails hoping to get into the playoffs. We're actually one of the teams that's setting the pace. So I understand where he's coming from because... Uh, we we although we've liked the underdog underdog tag in the past, it, it's getting beyond past that now. Um, and we're not the underdogs. We're not. We're, people know when we play them, they they they're going to have a game of football because you you look at it now. A lot of teams are saying we're playing quick, aggressive football. We're more of a physical team. We're not such a pushover now as we were. Last night being an exception, but um, no, he gets it. He definitely gets it, and uh, mm. I, I, I think he, he's so far he's been great for us, and he, he's right. I think uh, people need to open their eyes and see that we are a good side. We are doing things the right way. We're not uh, building up mountains of debt to chase the dream. And we're going to get there and achieve it the right way. And more power to it. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And Dan, it's just refreshing that 
a manager goes on record and says embrace it embrace what's going to happen over the next 16 games because we're going to give it a damn good go and if we're good enough we're going to get to the Premier League and if we're not well hell fire we'll dust ourselves down we'll have another good crack at it next season but we're not shying away from it we want to be in the Premier League whereas you can look at previous seasons and it's like oh one game at a time let's not get ahead of ourselves and all this mishy-mashy bollocks no Mm. he's put his stall out here here's what it is here's the objective let's crack on and try and get it Exactly, it's a statement of intent um, from someone who's only really been in the door five minutes, and he's 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 owning it, isn't he? I mean, yeah, it's it's very easy to say take things one at a time, never too high, never too low, which is a mantra I live by, by the way. Um, but you know, he he's come in, he's tweaked a few things, as Tony said. We've all seen it. We've we're a lot more positive now, and it's and it's like we said with Pelly earlier, put some respect on our name, you know. Um, although I, <coughs> I do like the underdog tag, um, do I now have to get used to being one of the big boys? I mean, it's it's quite a thing for for little old Luton, isn't it? Um, given that you know we're one of three championship sides that have never played in the Premier League, um, you know, and you know, but nine years ago, the the very thought of being in the Premier League was just a mere pipe dream that you, you talk about as a kid, don't you? Um, you know, one day we'll get there and everyone laughs at your face. No, you won't. Yeah. And but he's he's given us that belief now. I think with 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 Nathan there was always that dream. Um but I think Rob Edwards has turned that into, you know, belief, believe that it can come true, you know, but believe that it can happen because we're you know, we're gonna go and try and make it happen. And when you're sitting in fourth, uh, going into the last sort of third of the season. That's exactly what you want to hear off your manager. That's exactly what the fans want to hear. You know, he's saying all the right things. And Nathan, you know, did say all the right things. Um, but he, he, we always felt, always seemed to fall short. Uh, but I, th- I think we're better equipped this year. We're better equipped this time round, on and off the field. And why not? Let's go and upset some more people. You know, let's have Pep Guardiola talking about uphill battles at Kenilworth Road. <laughs> Just talking about the field. You know, if, he, if he's still there, by the way. Yeah. Then, we, like, we, um, we are one of the founding members of the Premier League. Don't forget that. Yeah, I, th- I think is it us and Notts County founding yeah. members, the, the only two. It's a good quiz question for anyone um, that have never played in the Premier League. Yeah. And I say, out of the three in the Championship that have never played in the Premier League, we're in fourth, Millwall are in eighth, and then you've got Rotherham. Okay, they're down in twentieth, but you know we're upsetting the odds because everybody that comes down from the Premier League is expected to go straight back up, and teams like Luton shouldn't be able to. <laughs> there's the teams like Luton phrase again. Teams like Luton shouldn't be able to get in there and get in the mix, but we're doing it, and we're doing it with bells on, and rightly so. And you know, I can't wait to tell everybody who told who teased me all these years, Luton will never get in the Premier League. I can't wait to jump jump in the face. Like Adi Bayo had to do to Perry Engie last week. <laughs> Just go, Indeed. have that. Indeed. Yeah. I suppose, have I that. suppose to be fair to Rob Edwards, I mean, when we were the best team in Europe last season, we really should get it into the Premier League this season, shouldn't we? <laughs> um, you know, it is. Yeah. Really, yeah. It is I love that. Team. I, I love that's gone down but so bad down in the South Coast, hasn't it? I think I think Southampton fans are so delusional. I saw one one guy on Twitter last night trying to tease us lot, saying, Oh, I think you're gonna be in the Premier League and you're getting battered by Grimsby. And I just thought, you know what, you've got you've got bigger fish to fry for one of a better expression. That was probably the wrong joke. Um, they've got 
but they have. They've got so many problems up there. I mean, they all hate each other, and that's that's not a sign of a forward-thinking football you, club you, at all. You should have pointed out to that Southampton fan that they're now with a chance yeah. of getting battered by Grimsby. I was going to say they yeah, still yeah. don't negotiate Grimsby yet, and they yeah, got Grimsby side will have their best player playing for them as well. So well, uh, exactly, you've got to be careful what you wish for. I think, and you know that. I don't want to make this Southampton talk because, quite frankly, I'm, you know, you guys know I'm sick of talking about Nathan Jones, sick of hearing about yeah. him. But you know, he he's makes makes the news every day, and he said something really stupid at the weekend, and <laughs> it'll be gone by the time this podcast goes out. I wouldn't but be surprised. In many ways, though, James, I guess those two press conferences—the one that you sat in on with Rob Edwards and the one that Nathan gave on Match of the Day and all of it—it just kind of shows the. the the difference in the people, doesn't it? Because Rob Edwards mm. is a calm, unemotional, not unemotional, that's the wrong word, calm, cool, collected figure who's very confident about what he does. And whereas Nathan is this emotional, and you just know that he gave that press conference five minutes after the final whistle when he was still emotional of getting battered by Brentford. It's kind of, it's interesting how managers do things. And as I said to Dan a minute ago, the fact that he said, yeah, embrace where we are, enjoy it, let's drink. Why can't we dream about being in the Premier League as opposed to this one game at a time? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're humble, bloody, bloody, blah, and all that cobblers. It's very much, you can see why fans love Rob, Rob Edwards, and you can see why two and a half, three thousand Luton fans are going to Coventry on Saturday and are going to be singing his name for 90 minutes. He, they've taken to him like a duck to water, and rightly so. Well, yeah, I mean, um, the way he talks is, is one thing, but results always help as well. And, um, you know, Nathan only won three on the spin in the league once last season and that was in February and and um, and Rob Edwards already done that and he's also won more games at home than Nathan did as well so these things are the sign of a, a of a manager and a club and a team that's going well so it was, there was that was the perfect time um, to come out with that once you've set that marker I think and um, yeah I don't think that I, I hope it energises people I, I hope people don't get uh, worried or frightened by it because it's not an arrogance thing um, that's not to say that um, Nathan was arrogant at, at, at all I know he got confu- confu- uh, accused of that a, a lot but I think um, if anything it if anything, to his detriment, he's probably just too honest and he needs to just keep a lid on it sometimes. Yeah. They, they obviously don't like what he said, but yeah, the, the, the polar opposites of the two press conferences and the two statements, they couldn't be more uh, more stark. Um, I, I, I do hope that Luton still continues to be underestimated, don't get me wrong, because I'm happy for teams to do that, but... Um, there's some big clubs in this division that are underperforming. Luton are not one of them. <laughs> they're not underperforming and they're not one of the big clubs. Uh, but they are one of the best teams. Um, so celebrate it. Yeah, absolutely. Don't don't fear it. I mean, hellfire. We got to the playoffs last season. It didn't happen. But here we Be- are again. Better squad as well. Well, I think I said in one of the better. earlier podcasts that we did... Um, this season that if we had this squad last season we'd be playing Premier League football right now and I stand by that 
And actually, you can kind of minuscule that even a little bit more. If we had Elijah Adebayo and Peli Rada-Kampanzu fit at the end of last season, we would be playing Premier League football right now. I'm absolutely certain of that. So, yes, we should embrace oh, yeah. We, yeah. we should look forward to these last 17 games. We should go there, enjoy them. We're Luton Town, have our chest puffed out and dream of being in the big time because we're right in the mix. And actually, whilst everyone's focusing on the playoffs... I'll say it. I'll put it out there. We're only 10 points off of second place and they are going nowhere, Sheffield United. So, you know, someone will pick Sheffield United up. I'm absolutely certain of that. Someone will collect Sheffield United on their way. Whether it's Luton Town, I'm not saying it will be. Could be Middlesbrough, could be West Brom, could be someone else who emerges from the pack as long as as long as they're not that long down the road, obviously. But someone picks Sheffield United up and, uh, well, let's hope, it, let's hope it's us. But, I tell you what, you look at the league table right now and if it finished tomorrow, we play them in a semi-final where, my word, what a playoff semi-final that would be. Mm. Do you know what, I think, I, think Luton, I think Luton fans do believe, you know, I just think that there's a little bit of this sort of trepidation about admitting it. Yeah, because they've got Luton the song. Fans, they've Luton got the Robbie Edwards song. With optimism, I think, James. The Luton fans are scared to let themselves go and because when it doesn't happen, like against Huddersfield last season, the low is like, oh, why did I put myself through this? Because now I feel like shit. But whether we do it this season or we don't do it this season, we're going to be in this position again next season because the formation and the way that the clubs run, there's a plan for every situation. And at some point, the door's going to open. And why why won't it be this season? This squad's brilliant. They're taking on big teams, like you've said. They're beating big teams. They're playing great football. They've just kept three clean sheets on the trot. No team other than the top two have lost less games than us. Three teams have conceded fewer goals than us. Hardly anyone scored more goals than us. These are all promotion material. And a a game in a fortnight, Kev, that's going to... Yeah, we'll find out out exactly where we are in that game. We'll come on to that in a minute because we are going to look ahead at, at these games. But let's not forget that I think it's four teams that have taken something off of Burnley this season. And we support Mm. one of them, you know. And we didn't go there... Um, and sort of park the bus like you know like some teams are going to do we went there and we genuinely played good football and we and we merited our draw sorry uh, four teams have come away from Burnley not uh, with points against Burnley I should rephrase that and we're one of them we've nothing to fear in this league he's absolutely spot on with, with what he says and uh, you know as, we, as I said a minute ago as we draw closer to the end of the season the position of ourselves in that lot down the road it's going to set up some some seriously tasty um, situations. And, uh, well, if Rob Edwards is the one to finish their season and send us to the Premier League, my God. <laughs> you know, you can, put, you can build the statue and give him the key to the key to the town right now, can't you, if he does that? Well, you, you mentioned Brentford as well, Kev. Um, and often, Luton's project is often compared to a lot of what they've done as a club off mm. the pitch, I guess. But it also on the pitch... It took them a little while to get into the Premier League and then they've done what they've done there. So to go on your point of if it doesn't happen this season, be confident that there's a chance again the next season, I think is absolutely valid in, in that respect because you know if you do everything right in all aspects of the club, then it only breeds this confidence and positive outlook. And I think that's probably where Luton are at the moment. And I know we covered it in the first part of the podcast, but that's where I'm happy with the transfer window because we've let an aging Cameron Jerome go. 
and a fourth choice Harry Cornico, and we've already replaced with the future, or, or, or who Mick believes is the future in the striking department in in Joe Taylor. And obviously, you know, everyone hopes Admiral Musquay's comeback shows the player that clearly there is in him. We just need someone to get it out of him, and Edwards has got it out of everyone else. Why won't he get out of this one? You know, that league table, it looks really pretty. Uh, we're fourth, game in hand on third. Dream high, Luton fans, dream high. Because um, well, you when, when you think, Kev, it wasn't that long ago that uh, Peterborough were raiding us for players, Jack Marriott. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but, it, but just that signing alone, whether we see Joe Taylor this season or we don't see Joe Taylor this season, just that signing alone tells you everything about the plan that's in place for this football club because he's a 20-year-old striker who at some point is going to play for us in the future. And he's replaced a guy who, with the best will in the world, in Harry Cornick and Cameron Jerome, their impact is going to be lessened the longer the longer we go because as we discussed in that first part of the podcast, they've fallen down the tree. But yeah, no, fair play, Rob Edwards. You're absolutely right. We're not underdogs and let's dream. And uh Let's enjoy these last 17 games because they're going to be absolutely fantastic. And the first six of those come up in the next month, starting on Saturday. I'll come to you first, Dan, because uh, uh, it's your local derby. Uh, yes. And, uh, we're, all, we're all around your ass for uh, full English and a couple of beers before the game. Coventry away. Uh, mm. Well, I hope not everyone comes around your ass because I don't think it's kitted out for 3,000, but it might be. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, Coventry at home. Jesus, Lord, how on earth did... Uh, we only come away with a draw in that game. Obviously, mm-hmm. two of the most shambolic goals we'll concede all season and two goalkeepers in goal for Coventry. Hopefully, they've only got one in goal on Saturday. And um, yeah, well, you're probably more on, Co- you probably know more on Coventry than what I do. But is there a reason why we can't go there and win? No, not really. Um, I'd say our league form, if, if, you, if you compare ours to theirs, um, it's marginally better. Well, not marginally better. Sorry, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a scope there. Uh, there is always the potential banana skin that Coventry do like to upset the big boys every now and then. And being as we are now one of the big boys, um, as of oh, bloody the last hell. press conference, a week, shouldn't we, after all that? Yeah, probably should have really. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm, I'm going to pick on our head-to-head record. We haven't lost to them in six years. Five or six years, you know, we, we sort of know what they're about. Um, I think we were guilty of stepping uh, stepping off the gas a little bit when we needn't have done back in uh, September, uh, because we all know what we, what we can do when we turn teams. You know, we can turn teams over. We did that to them last year, albeit um, on, on our pitch, on our patch. I don't see I don't see anything out of them that sort of makes me worry too much. Other than that. You know they they have a potential potential to upset the odds, uh, but if you look at their squad compared to ours and what what we've got available to us in terms of what they've got, we've got a stronger side all round really. I mean they've got the Giocares, don't underestimate him. Uh, Hamer's a good little player in the middle as well, but you know if we can keep keep them two quiet, we'll win the game definitely. Um, I've I. <laughs> I do know a lot of people around me, and I've I've, I've said I've said uh, the other day the other day to somebody I've, I'll take I'll take the nil nil now because I hate this derby because it's one that I've known for years because I've lived in Coventry for the best part of twenty years. I hate the derby. I hate playing them. I hate playing them. 
I, I just want Saturday gone. <laughs> and hopefully, with a, just pray that we've got three points, but I'll take a draw. Um, well, you might have to go and whistle for your nil-nil because we haven't not scored in the league under Rob Edwards yet. And I'm hoping that that's not going to start just because we didn't score against Grimsby on Tuesday night. James, you're not going to that game against Coventry. Um <laughs> Presumably because the last time you were there, you got drenched and windswept and everything else. Um, but <laughs> is, is Dan right? Is there any reason to fear them? Not the run of form they're on at the moment. No, certainly not. They've, um, I think they've only won one in forever. Um, and that was, was Huddersfield, I think. Everybody's beaten Huddersfield at the yeah. moment. So, um, yeah, no, not not at all. Um, you've got to put the that um, very bizarre game at Kenilworth Road to bed a different manager obviously they're playing a bit of football um, do keep an eye on Giocares like Dan says though he's got he's a bit nippy he can, he can run that lad but um, he's a bugger yeah um, but, I'm yeah, not, no. still not sure if he can run or our defenders were in treacle that night yeah a bit, a bit of that a bit, a bit of both a bit of both just don't give him a sniff I don't think um, this time around that he'll have the same luck in a foot race with the Mario Bell as he did um, with Sonny and, and Dan Potts. But um, I hope I haven't jinxed Amari there. We had a very good game, actually, in, uh, against Stoke. Uh, but yeah, no. Best game for the club, actually, Amari Bell in that game. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, could be right. First class. Very, very good. Uh, Tony, the two boys have mentioned Giocares. Is now the right time or the wrong time for me to point out that he hasn't actually scored since Boxing Day? Right time. Oh, Kev. <laughs> I'm only here with the stats and the facts. I can't do anything else other than that. You've done it now. The timing's everything, Dan, isn't it? Uh, I think we can keep him quiet. I think we can keep him quiet. I mean, a repeat of last season's uh, one nil win up there. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd go for that. I'd be happy with that. So yeah, I, I, I'm expecting three points on Saturday. Yep. If Elliot Lee can score at the Rico Arena or whoever sponsors it now, yeah. surely a couple of Luton players can as well. So um, when it start to um, proceed, and then I think we all agree. Uh, then we're away again next Wednesday. Who the hell put Preston away on a Wednesday night? I mean, come on, give us some sort of. You're a, of you're a glutton for punishment, Kev, aren't you? You're right. I am a glutton for punishment, Tony. Yeah, I will be at Deepdale. Uh, yeah. For that game next Wednesday, it is not Tuesday. Make sure you don't don't go on the Tuesday because it's definitely the Wednesday. For those of you not going, it is on the red button on Sky. God knows how many times. I'll help you out, Dan, with your uh, online forum and answer Ooh. that question for you already. It's Please on the red button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's on the it is on the red button. Uh, James, they came down here earlier on in the season when they never conceded the goal in like five million games, and they didn't score a goal in five million games apart from the goal they scored against us when. The wrong pots scored because it was their pots rather than our pots. Um, they're another team that have kind of gone into um, mystery in terms of form. Uh, but it's, this is one of these places we never, and I mean never, win at. So um, can we get this one round? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're not the team they were at the start of the, the, the season, certainly. And when they came to Kenworth Road, they um, did a number on Luton. And scored a worldie as well. Um, on the hottest day I've ever seen. Blimey, yeah. On it, yeah. Absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. If it wants to be half as hot next Wednesday night, crack on, but I've got to feeling it'll be equally as cold as it was hot. The referee didn't help on that night either, did he? Well, no, no but I mean, I don't think anyone was functioning properly in that yeah. in those temperatures, yeah. were they? 
Yeah, I mean, they're coming off the back of two defeats. Admittedly, one of them was in the FA Cup against Tottenham. Um, but then they did lose to the uh, best team in the division, Bristol City, in the last game. So, um, <laughs> best manager, not the best team. We're the best team in Europe. <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> the Premier League ready <laughs> Bristol City. Um, yeah, so they're, they're patchier. They're not as on, a, on as bad a run as, as Coventry, um, but they do like to string some defeats together. And so hopefully that's another one. I, I'd, <laughs> I'd head to my bets there and, and, and go for a draw. Yeah, I'll get myself out of trouble after that joker has mentioned and say that uh, <laughs> only Cardiff have scored less goals than Preston this season. So um, does that open the door for a win, Tony? Well, I don't know, really, mate. Done it again. Uh, yeah. Well, it does with the clean sheet record uh, at the moment, I suppose, doesn't it? I mean, well, um, <laughs> we did we did win a couple of seasons ago up there, didn't we? Yeah, it was, well, um, scored. So 2021. I think, yeah, I, th- I think we can we can win up there, Cape Because if you look at it, Preston's away form has been much better than the home form. The home form they've been awful, and we're much better away from home than we are at home. So again, I'm quite happy. Uh, you know, I'd be expecting three points, but I'd be happy with the draw there. Nine goals in 15 home games, Dan Preston have scored. Um, we've only got to score one to win this one, haven't we? Yeah, but we've lost 5-1 there a couple of times over the years, so you've gone and done it again. <laughs> I can't, I'm, I can only read facts that are sent to me You're out. on form tonight, Kevin. I can't, read, I can't do any more than read the facts that have come to me out. That's, that's all I can do. No, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's not judge it on historical... Mm. Um, which is what I tend to do. Um, let's let's give us some credit here. You know, we like Tony just said, our away form is much better than our home form. They're crap at home. Um, when they beat us back in August, it was just by sheer fluke. Really, it was a nothing. It really had nil nil written all over it that game. But I think we've evolved since then, and they sort of haven't. Um, I did write a drawdown, but the more I think about it, the more I think we'll sneak a one nil. Um, which which will be great. It'll, it'll make the journey up there worthwhile for you. That it will. Yeah, I'm still not sure it'll make it worthwhile, but it would certainly make the journey right. home hell of a lot go, quicker. Then. Than, <laughs> it would certainly make the journey home hell of a lot quicker than last night's one was. That mm. is for sure. Um, mm. James, then it becomes well. It's, it's a bonus for the people in Mongolia and surrounding areas because our game at home to Burnley is on international TV. Uh, I'm sure the viewing figures will be absolutely electric for that game. But it is, it is actually, like the boys said earlier, a, uh, a gauge of just what we can achieve over the remainder of this season. They're the best team in the championship, right? Let's 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 lay no illusions to that. They've won more than any other side. They've lost two games all season. They've scored 58 goals, uh, which is 10 more than anyone else in the division. Um, they've only conceded 26. Only Sheffield United, who time wasted the life out of it, have scored. Eh, sorry, have conceded less. There are 17 points clear of third place. They're going to be a Premier League team. However, as I also pointed out earlier in the show, we've got a point up there. So can we get anything from them down here? Yes, you can, actually. I mean, yeah, they are. They've got a lot of firepower. And, um, you know, we talked about uh, in the first part how we thought West Brom were the best side we've seen at Kenworth Road and they put an end to their run, didn't they? But um, Burnley and Luton are the top two form teams in the division. 
uh, and so that counts for something. And so, um, yeah, yeah, of course you can. When when you're in that sort of run of form, don't discount anything. And um, you know, they gave him a decent game up there. Um, obviously, they've they've improved and and cemented. To, they're running away with the league. Let's be honest. Um, but uh, you know, they can't have it all their own way. So um, I'd still go for a draw, and I still think that would be a good result. Um, but yeah, I it's one of these ones where you just you don't have to be scared of these teams. No, we definitely don't have to be scared of them. And actually, I don't know if it carries any weight, Tony, but the only two games they've lost this season were at Sheffield United, where they lost 5-2, and at a certain team down the road, who, you know, two teams in the top five, like ourselves. So they do lose games to teams, well, I was going to say random in the table, but what for the 20 points behind them, so not a random. Were they both on telly as well? But they were Yeah, absolutely. They were both on television. And one thing about Rob Edwards, he's got a bloody good record on television because the only games he won down there was on television. And he hasn't lost with us on television yet. So uh, another another Murray and tell me what's going to happen. Um well if you look historically, Luton have always been one of those teams that struggle against teams from the foot of the table. And we always seem to turn it on against teams that are at the top of the table. I can remember us doing it so many times over the years where you'll get the team that's running away with the league, coming to Luton, <clears throat> you're expecting a defeat, and Luton absolutely destroy them. Um, I'm not saying that we'll do that this time, but the, our players shouldn't need any incentive. Um One thing to look at with it is uh, Burnley can't do the double over us, which is something. Um, but I, I would quite happily settle for a point. So it, it, it depends uh, very much on are our guys going to be up for it? They should. They shouldn't need any incentive. But you never know. Burnley might have an off day. So I'll be happy with the point from that one. Yeah, uh, me too. Well, what would you reckon to... Uh to that one Dan it's, it's a rare team in this league that we're going to come up against that hasn't got an ex-Luton player in it yeah yeah again, very good point I don't think there is anybody in there that has played for us no there isn't no um, but listen the, the lads have already alluded to this you know they've got a lot of quality in that side the league table doesn't lie on this occasion and they're absolutely steamroller in it but like Tony just said there's every chance you know if, if the Luton that we know shows up there's every chance we can get a draw at the very least. Um, I can't. I, it's hard to say what I think might happen. I, I've played it safe and gone for a draw because I just think you know I, I can't back against us here because I still think you know if you want to be the be the best, you've got to beat the best. Um, Burnley are the best side in the league at the moment, and like James said, they will be in the Premier League next year. Of that, I've no doubt whatsoever. Uh, but I I think if we can catch them out. At their own game, there's every chance we can turn them over. And who wouldn't bet against Luton at the moment? The way we're playing, um, the two form, big, the two sides that are in the, the best form at the moment going head to head. It makes for a really, really entertaining game. And more people from Mongolia should be watching it. <laughs> yes, they should. If you live in Mongolia, tune in that afternoon. That Get is, on it. That, that is for sure. I mean, we should point out, of course. But all three promoted sides last season came to Kenworth Road and none of them left with three points. So, uh, that you know, that in itself will tell you. 
the Burnley aren't necessarily going to turn down, uh, turn up down here and just necessarily roll us over. And of course, Sheffield United have already been down here and didn't leave with three points. If indeed, unlike me, you think Sheffield United will go up in second place. Uh, February is a month for visiting some real hellholes and it continues the following Saturday when um, we get to go to Birmingham this time, James. Uh, this has got to be one of my least, apart from the fact that you, you get there in an hour and a half and back again, this has to be one of my least places to go because they're a horrible side to watch, to play against. They're so bad, my dog doesn't even like them. Um, <laughs> and of course, we've got God knows how many records to settle with them after last season. And somehow they still got a nil-nil draw from us on the opening day of this season. Surely this is the time that we can get the better of Birmingham City and Troy Deeney. Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, they are on um, equally bad run of form. Um, they're probably somewhere in, in the middle between Coventry and Preston in terms of form. Um, I know they won their last game, which sounded like a bit of a thriller, but um, uh, the, the only other the only other win in this year, I think, was the FA Cup. So they are not going great guns. And um, but then again, <laughs> they did have quite an aggregate score last season, didn't they? So um, wouldn't it be nice if you could wipe that out? A lovely eight nil, but I don't see it. They're horrible to play against. <laughs> uh, they will be buoyed by that last minute, last gasp win at Swansea. Um, but while I don't think it will be a high-scoring game, particularly, I think there is chance. I'm f- I'm feeling optimistic about a, a, a sneaky one nil away win. We do have a score to settle, Tony, with um, Birmingham. Um, I don't know what was worse last season, actually. The 5 nil dicking they gave us down here, or the 3 nil up there, where they weren't even any good and they still beat us 3 nil. The highlight being, of course, a million tennis balls getting chucked onto the pitch halfway through. Um, there won't be none of that this time. But, I mean, the, the numbers will tell you they're a worse team than what they were last season. But they've still got that Chong fella, and Christ, he worries me after last season. He tore us a new arsehole. He, yes, he did. To be fair, he was he was great. But he, in the return game, he didn't do a lot. And, uh, you know, you've seen players every now and again, they have these purple patches where they'll have an outstanding game. Um, we're a different proposition to that side from last season and from the nil-nil draw at home right at the start of this season, uh, as I think Birmingham will find out. Uh, Birmingham are, you know, they're... they're in the bottom half of the table, just and they're chugging along. But every now and again, they'll get a result that surprises you, like the their win at Swansea. But I don't think they'll get that against us. Um, I think we'll go there with a different mindset. Um, we've got a different manager now. We're more on the attacking side. We're we're a better defensive unit as well. And uh, I I think we can come away with a two 0 win at least from there that's the positive uh, that I like uh, Dan uh, they've got a strangely weirdly whatever you call it named Hannibal playing for them but can we feast on them yeah I don't think it'll be a whitewash or anything though I, I, I think they are not a very good side at all um, but I, I've got a feeling we can 
turn them over. I'm, I'm, I'll side more with James on this one. I, th- I think a cheeky 1-0 away win. And, and I think that would suit the, the majority of town fans at the moment, given our record against them. Uh, historically, we, we don't do well there. Um, again, but judge it on the here and now, they're not in a very good position. We're in a great position. Hopefully, they'd have come off the back of a, an absolute pasting by Norwich on the Tuesday night beforehand. And we can go in there and, and upset them even more and then hopefully put them in a bit of a dogfight for survival, really. And I say that with the greatest of respect because I've not really got a lot of time for Birmingham City, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, I say it with no respect at all because I haven't either. Um, the ball's been in the air an awful lot in recent games against Cardiff, against Stoke, and it's going to be in the air an awful lot in the games to come. None more so than the first game of March. Sorry, the last game of February, the uh, 28th of February, the rearranged game against Millwall, which is now taking place rather than cup game against Southampton. Um they're another bloody awful side to watch Millwall, but they are actually um, playoff rivals, supposedly. They're in eighth place. They've got a game in hand of us. They're five points behind us. And they're another team that we always seem to struggle with. We always play them on television. I don't know why Sky love this game, but it's never a particularly good game. But couldn't it be good this time, James? Uh, thankfully, it was shifted from the World Cup final day, wasn't it? Because the pitch was frozen. Hopefully, there'll be no such problems on that Tuesday night. Is this the time that we can finally... Um, well, get get it done against Millwall. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's one of the toughest games. If you take the Burnley one out of it, obviously, I think that's it's the toughest game. Um, they have dropped off a bit um, from when they were in the playoff spots. Obviously, uh, by the, the, the little run down the league, it's, they're just very inconsistent. They haven't strung wins together uh, since they had that little purple patch back in October so um, you know one win and a draw so far um, uh, ahead of this one but um, it will be it will be a tough one but I think Luton you know in the early part of the championship when they got back in the championship sort of struggled against them but I think they started to get to grips a little bit more with them Um, so I'd be confident in that one as well. Uh, I think a, I think a draw would be a good result, um, considering where they are. Um, it'd be lovely if they win because it's the game in hand, wouldn't it? And then um, that would, that would do the Premier League chances of playoff push no end of good. But um, I, I would be more than happy with a draw. Yeah, the positive amongst us would say it's the game in hand of Middlesbrough. The negatives amongst us would say it's the game in hand of those down the road. But either way, it is the game in hand uh, on those two. Tony, we did win actually at Millwall last season, didn't we? When Harry Cornick shocked the world by putting two in the back of the net in the same game. Um, (laughs) But it's our first meeting with them this season. But this home form, there's been so much made of it. And clearly there's been an intent to improve it. Uh, and, and it's happened, hasn't it? We've won our last yeah. two games now. And I think that that kind of hoodoo-y thing sort of been lifted now. We should look forward to these home games again, especially, as we all know, Tuesday night, under the lights, on TV. It's a perfect occasion for Loon to turn up and show everyone just how good we are. Yeah, and we, we've definitely improved um, under Rob Edwards as well. You know, um, as long as we come out on the front foot, and have a go at them because you know what Millwall are like. They they don't change. They're, they're a long ball hoof team, big guys up front. I'll put it as long as we're up for the challenge. 
we'll be okay. But the main thing we've got to remember is, guys, that uh, by the time of that game comes around, we'll be safe from relegation. So, um, you know, I expect three points at home. I think uh, Millwall will find out that we are a different proposition to the side that they played last season. We've improved. We've got more firepower and we're stronger. We don't we don't give a lot away ourselves. All we need to do is sort out the goalkeeper and then we'll give away even less. So we'll be all right. Hey, from relegation, I tell you, if the bottom three now get 48 points between them, I'll be amazed, let alone yeah. between now and the end of the season, let alone... Uh, let alone anything else. Uh, Dan, I've just alluded to the fact that Rob Edwards never lost the championship game that's been on television, whether it is uh, on the main Sky channel or the red button. Uh, obviously, this is on Sky TV. Therefore, we can't lose. Yeah, and you're on a full house of cliches, Kev. <laughs> so well done. You win absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, it, again, on Sky, like you say, Edwards never lost since we've been in. There's been a bit of more of a feel-good factor around the place as well, um, and we we do love a bit of nitty-gritty with Millwall uh, historically. I think I think I know why it's always on Sky. I think they're after a, 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 um, a replay of '85. Don't know why. Wouldn't, um, wouldn't disagree with you there, Dan. No, I I, th- I think there's an agenda there. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> the cynic the cynical side of me thinks there's an agenda in there. But you, you know, if you, if you look at their games leading up to playing us, they've 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 got they've got to go to QPR, Coventry, they've got Sheffield United and Burnley at home, and then they've got to bore them tears out of the, um, bore themselves senseless uh, at Stoke just before they play us. Um, I'm hoping they're knackered and well away from the playoffs by then, and I, th- I think they will be. I think they'll be out of the equation by then, and I think we'll be adding more, rubbing more salt into them ever gaping wound that'll be opening more and more as the season goes on. I think we'll win that quite comfortably um, and show Sky what for. Yep, that would be very nice. And then we move into March. Now, if you like a team who pass the football and do fuck all else with it, Swansea are your team. <laughs> and um, they're the visitors to Kenilworth Road uh, in that first game of March, the Saturday, 4th of March. Um, Last season's game, James, was a right old ding-dong, wasn't it? We went 3-0 up and uh, didn't fancy winning that game, drew it three each. But we did get our revenge down there. We went down there and won. And we've already won down there. Actually, I'd be quite happy, given our record in Wales these days, if we switched the game down there and played it down there again. But we're not. Plenty of Kenworth Road. Uh, they lost their striker, didn't they, in the transfer window. And all I've seen of Russell Martin's mug this week is how pissed off he is that he didn't get a replacement. And in fact, that they didn't sign anyone in the transfer window. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if by the time they, they come here, Russell Martin's uh, had enough and walks away. But on what we know so far, we know Swansea will complete 4.3 million passes, none of which go anywhere near the goal. And uh, hopefully we can, when we do have the ball for those five seconds, put it in the back of their net. It's a lovely prospect to play that sort of team. I think that the way Luton can um, press from the front. And you get Alan Campbell running in around them and frightening the life out of them. Uh, I think, uh, you know, if, if Russell Martin is still there, I think if Luton do a number, then it could be another scalp this season with the, uh, the managerial sack race. Um, yeah, I think uh, that was an, an, an anomaly last season. Uh, not, not very fun, obviously, but um, yeah, I fancy a win on that one. Amazingly, they've scored 43 goals, Swansea. I've absolutely no idea how, because I swear to God, every time I watch them, the Bucks don't shoot at the sodding goal. So, quite how it's happened, I don't know, Tony. But um, 
like I said, if you like a passing team, this is your team. But we're all right against that, aren't we? It's like you said earlier, it's the physical hoof it and chase it teams that we struggle against. So uh, can we put well can we put another three goals past them and win this time? I don't see why not. Um you know, we're we again we'll be on the front foot, we'll be part pressing them quite high, forcing them into mistakes, you know, that that's the way to get to a side like this. And you're quite right. They they they're they're wonderful passing it around. You can watch it, but no end game at the end of it. Um, so if need be, we can be direct. We can also play football. So again, I'm I'm expecting a home win. I don't think we'll see a repeat of last season. Yeah, I mean last season was just one of those, wasn't it? I think they had three worldies. They all got deflected, and they always did to the top corner, didn't they? I mean, you know, how's your yeah. luck? Um, probably the only three. It times happens. Got, it happens, Kev. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the only three times they shot a goal all season last season. To be fair, um, <laughs> and how do you see this one going? Apart from being mesmerised, do, do you hate Swansea by any chance? I don't hate them, Tony. No, but I don't understand why you made five point four million passes between one centre back and the second one when the idea of putting the ball in the back of the net's my idea of. Playing football, um, they don't seem to correspond with that. But hey, let's hope they don't correspond with that on no. uh, March the 4th, Dan. And um, mm. we put more in the back of the net than they have passes. Exactly. And I'm, I'm kind of with you in the, in terms of having the ball all game and doing absolutely nothing with it. Um, you know, you, you look at the great sides in football over the years, like the likes of Manchester United used to suck the, in the Ferguson days, used to suck the opponent in and then catch them on the break. Um I think we're going to have to do something similar to that if that's how they want to play because we, we'll unpick them. We've we've had teams, like you said earlier, I think in the first part of the podcast, we've had teams come to Kenilworth Road for years, park the bus, uh, try and play a bit of possession football and try and limit our, our options. But, you know, we, we're very capable of unpicking it because we've had years and years of practice now um, of unpicking teams. And I look at their squad and I... I don't fear any single player in there and I don't think they're a particularly great side and looking at the table now it really reflects that they're not, that at absolute best they're bang average I think they're slightly flattered um, with themselves being in mid-table by the, purely by the fact that there's absolutely nothing in the championship you know a couple of wins you you, know, you can be up up in the playoffs and a couple of defeats you're down in the bottom bottom six, seven, eight um, and I think they're very much in that sort of category, uh, which is why I can't see anything else other than a win. Like it should have been last year, but please, no, don't let them shoot <laughs> from long range. And uh, all's good. Three points, yeah. job done. Yeah, there's no danger of them shooting. Don't worry about that. Actually, uh, I guess <laughs> I just I do know how they scored so many goals this season because most of them ended up in the Watford net a few weeks ago, didn't they? So uh, yeah, they did. That was them. kind of mm. nice of them. Uh, no, I, no to, just to clarify, Tony, there was a game somewhere around just before the World Cup, I think it was, and uh, they played Huddersfield. They had 78% of possession and drew 0-0. What's the point? Imagine, yeah. <laughs> well, well, what's the point? Yeah. You know, you may, you may as well have 50% of possession and put the ball in the net a few times and have all of it and don't bother scoring. I mean, it's like, come on now, help yourselves out. So there's a lot of um, positivity anyway um, for the months to come. I think the sort of dodgy games that people are agreeing on are well certainly that Burnley game maybe Millwall as well but um, and obviously if uh, Jokerez thinks it's Christmas uh, Saturday it could be a bit awkward as well but let's hope that's not the case and let's hope that 
actually a decent run of fixtures if you take that Burnley game out of the equation to get some pretty good points on the board going into what is a tough march. We can't get away from that and we'll preview that mm. in the next podcast. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, one thing I should say, everyone in these two FA Cup youth games who have used the hospitality ticket that ourselves and Laurel Luton um, took up, we thank you very much. Everyone who has contributed to Solid in that time, we thank you even more because we're raising some great money for Solid and that will all go back towards the academy and it will all go into the future of our football club. Special mention to Andy Cornelius, who I know listens to the podcast, who won a shirt in an auction on Monday, gave that shirt back to be resold and uh, more than £200 was raised as a result of that. So, um, well Fair done, Andy. To you, Andy. Well, well done. You're an That's absolute off. top man and, uh, yeah. Everyone who's contributed to anything to do with Solid all season long, we really, really thank you for that. Uh, that is it for this podcast. We will be back after that Swansea game in the lead up to what's a pretty big game against Sheffield United, has to be said. Hopefully it'll be an even bigger game than it looks right now when we come around to previewing it. Gents, thanks very much for your company. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened. Remember, we're not underdogs. Do dream. Enjoy the next month of football. I'm sure there'll be some brilliant stuff to watch. Uh, come on, Latters, and we'll see you next month. Thanks for listening and cheerio.